Hey folks, this is episode 74 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Candace Burt. She's an ultra runner and race director at Destination Trail that puts on races from 10Ks to 200 plus mile endurance races. Candace hosts three 200 mile endurance races, the Bigfoot 200, the Tahoe 200, and the Moab 240. She's also um, did the fastest known uh, attempt at circumnavigating the Wonderland Trail here in Washington. That's a trail that goes all the way around Mount Rainier. I believe it's about 96 miles. These ultra runners, they fascinate me. To be able to have a continual effort over hours at a time and sometimes not even sleeping going through the entire night. It takes some level of diligence that is foreign to me. But as I pursue these these activities, as with any skill, it just grows. Candace was a joy to talk to, and her story was really fascinating. Um, you can check her races out at destinationtrail.com, and you can check out her blog at wildthefine.com. You can also find her on Instagram as uh, runcandicerun. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, please rate, review on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you'd like to support the show, you can also pick up a hat on the website, becominghumanpodcast.com. Without any further ado, here's Candace. I feel like running is one of those things you just run, you know, and but the more you do it, you realize it's like, actually, it takes a lot, a lot more skill than people say, a lot more than just a pair of shoes, um, especially to stay uninjured. Exactly. I mean, and you know, the instructions are easy in that sense, just left foot, right foot. However, there's so much more to it. Um, what what makes you return to running? Like, why do you like running? I find a peace, a solace in running. Um, I think it just when when I run, I feel. I just feel like everything feels right. I think in other areas of my life, um, they just don't feel that well balanced. And so when I go out mm-hmm. for a run, it's sort of like that a meditation. And then I can come back into my life, and it can be busy and crazy and hectic and stressful. But I have meditated myself into a more balanced state. So. I, I guess it's yeah. I just I'm able to get into that flow with it, and I think things will align in your life when you get into a flow like that. Um, even if it's just for 30 minutes or an hour out of the day, it's like it can do wonders for everything else. They just sort of boom, 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 boom falls into place somehow magically. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> it does kind of seem like magic because. When I was growing up, I wasn't into athletics very much. I did BMX here and there, but not enough to uh, develop uh, much skill at it. But through recreational, like, athletics, um, it's interesting what it does to your coping mechanisms and the way that you perceive your day-to-day life. Like, um, my stress levels substantially go down. And you're right, having this thing where it's like you tell your body to do something – for even 30 minutes, 15 minutes, kettlebells, we're running, you know, an hour, two hours. Um, it's free. It is, yeah. I think it gives you a, um, 
like we humans, I think we we need that like just doing something without thinking too much kind of activity in our lives. And I was thinking today about how um, I never used to understand how my like my dad would come home and he worked really hard, long hours, and he commuted a long way, and you know he dealt with a lot of like stressful situations. He would come home and he would love to like mow the lawn. And it's like, I remember just being like, I wonder why he loves that so much. And now I'm like, oh, because he just got to get out there and sit on the lawnmower and just ride around and not think about, like, all the other things in his life. And so I think running and exercise in general brings us to that place where we just get to um, do what we need to do uh, and reset everything. It's it's hard to explain. Like, I wish I had a scientific background to say, well, this is exactly why the human body needs <laughs> the mind, the body, and the spirit yeah. needs this. I, I know it needs it, but um, people, you know, they ask me, like, why do you run? And I say, I, I just have to. Like, it's just, you know, I can't <laughs> explain it. <laughs> I feel like an idiot. Give <laughs> it intuitive uh, understanding. And you're right, with, without, like, you know, the extra words um, and systems to be able to describe it, it, it can be difficult because, I mean, I really like to write. Um, however, I've taught myself, as I get really good at something, I'll have trouble trying to find the words. And then I can spend days, weeks, months trying to figure it out. But it's never just there at the tip of my tongue. Does that make sense? Yeah. It takes a moment to figure out how to articulate my experience. It's, yeah, it's oh. like you have to open that pathway. I also love writing, and I don't do it enough, but when I do, I find this similar flow. And um, and I love it when you find that way of describing something, though, where it's like it brings in the humor of everyday life and also, like, the realness and the humor um, and bring, makes it, just gives it that color. Um, and writing is like mm -hmm. that. I think there, there's something similar with, with running, too, but it's nice with writing. It's like you have that piece that you wrote, you can go back to it, whereas a run, it's sort of like, well, that was a good day. <laughs> There's nothing left over, <laughs> nothing to show for it. For, but it is a form of creativity, right? Like as running. in how? Um, I feel <laughs> like I feel like it's a, a well, well, you know, like how you would sit down and, and write something, uh, poetry or or an essay uh, or an experience mm -hmm. or draw. A painting or something. I feel like when I go out and run, it feels like that similar kind of creativity, with both like mm -hmm. sort of the physical dance of the environment. So there's that kind of creativity, but there's mm -hmm. also, um, in a long race, you're you're creating a story, you know, and you don't feel like you have a lot of control over it while you're running it, but you really do. You can set, you can choose how you you see yourself and what kind of a mindset, how positive or negative you are, and that really steers the ship in terms of, of your story. So there is a lot of creativity um, in racing, like some of these long, long races. You hear all sorts of stories and different points of view, you know, And but people don't realize, like, you really can steer that, like, while you're in it. I've met, like, a variety of people whose uh, desire to run races or even just these trail running adventures, if you will, and some of them surprised me because there was no desire for competition. Not even some of them. There's just no group. And just their narrative that they carried with them was very surprising for me. And it was 
telling because, you know, you have some people where it's like, I want to get, you know, first, or another person where it's like, I'm trying to go on an adventure. And you're right. It, you then start to notice and remember the things that are important, like the person who's trying to shoot for um, placing, they might remember the performance metrics more so than the person who's like, in it for this personal narrative of adventure, they might have focused on the scenery a lot more and how they interacted with, you know, the elevation change and all the features. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it is, it's sort of a fun way to look at it, too. So it feels very real in the moment, <laughs> like a dream. <laughs> yeah, and especially with those, because, I mean, you know, running in ultramarathon, it's a big thing, and even for people who seem to do it regularly, um, you know, we, even within two seasons, right, it's still like a very intimidating thing that has a lot of uncertainty, and it's exciting. Um, yeah. And you, you even see that in other sports, like when you have to go and do jiu-jitsu, for example, and you have to get up on stage in front of a big crowd, or you do comedy, uh, write your book and put it out there. I mean, it's that, that thrilling uh, you know, moment where it makes it all worth it. It's interesting. And it makes it like kind of what you're saying is where it's like a dream. It's all, re it's, it's more surreal, I suppose. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. I felt some of that, like, you know, near the end of some of these longer races I've been doing lately, I, I felt some of that excitement of like, uh, it's hard to explain, but the, just the emotion of like almost being done and that excitement um, and being able to use that to propel me to the finish, even though you might have been going for, like, 26, 27 hours straight, it's like you can mm -hmm. feel like you just started and you access that mm -hmm. kind of excitement. Like, you're oh, almost done. <laughs> <laughs> and people looking at um, ultra running from the outside, I mean, specifically non-runners, right, or People who don't exercise. It looks really intimidating and arduous, possibly painful. Um, yeah. When you started, were you, like, always athletic in your youth? Um, yeah, I, I would say to some degree. Um, I've, I've been a runner for a really long time. Um, I ran in high school. But as a kid, I was one I, – I lived on, like, a small farm, and we would – I had three siblings, and we would just go out and explore all day. Because it was either that, or it was my mom would be like, "You can you can either go outside and play, or you can stay in here and clean the house." We're like, "Okay, got it. We're out of here." <laughs> so we would just sort of explore the forest to make up games. Um, so we weren't, you know, doing hill repeats per se, but I feel like we got a lot of physical activity. I was a big horseback rider. Did a lot of jumping and. English writing and stuff, so I did a lot of that kind of stuff, but then um, fell in love with running specifically in high school with mm -hmm. cross country, um, and I think it's just one of those things for me, it's so convenient that I've always done, I've just always been a runner. Mm -hmm. Convenient as in it doesn't require much gear or any setup? Yep, pretty much. You could do it from anywhere, you can do it in the city or, or the country on a mountain. And I'm not too picky because I just love running, especially now. Mm -hmm. I have two kids, and it's like with life being as busy as it is, 
the more busy my life gets, the more I appreciate that time running. Like, I'll run on a treadmill, and, yeah, it's hard, and you think about every, like, .01 mile, but it's like, oh, I got to run. You know, I'm not going to complain about it. Like, I got to run today. <laughs> I'll take it yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because I've been trying to hash out um, the transition that I've had um, from the life that I lived in my youth and people that I surrounded myself around, where the view on athletics were more like, um, yeah, it was a lot of effort, right, for right. not so much of a reward. And in their opinion on the outside, or you look at like a strongman competition, like why would someone want to lift something over their head? Like they, it was very simplified. And then once I started participating in these things, right, started moving away from like uh, destructive pleasures, if you will, um, whether that's like, just abusing substances. I still use them, but abusing substances, you know, and um, also going off like the rails on sweets because that, that's really good. Like I do something, uh, I get an accomplishment, so I should go reward myself with like some ice cream. Like that was my, the experience, or as far as goal setting went for me then. And um, but now doing these things, my relationship with uh, effort or activity is instead of dreading it, Right, dreading how much effort I'm going to have to put into it, how much, how tired I am going to be. It's more like, no, this is exciting, and I get energized for it. And, you know, you learn how to move, or you get to go to those 10 miles. And I have my son, he's six, and that's something that I work with him on. I'm trying to because, like, when he sweats, he's like, oh, Dad, I'm sweating. i got to stop. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't – I used to feel like that, so how do we talk about this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting how kids um... – you know how the experience is so different for them. All those little mm -hmm. things that we forgot about how intense they were when, when we first noticed them or little aches and pains. One of my daughters, it's always a side ache, and I'm like, there's this perfect way to get rid of them if you would only just do it. And she's like, it doesn't work. <laughs> I swear, I'm like, that's because you're not doing it right. But, you know, it's like you you want to make it fun um, and – and so, yeah, it's just kids, um, we have to, for for somebody like me, I think, who is so motivated and pushes a lot myself, I have to be a little careful to not expect too much out of them because they're just starting their process of exploring the environment and their bodies. So it's like, okay, baby steps, that's right, baby steps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard for me, too, so I completely understand. I'm trying to take them on backpacking trips, and sometimes they're a little too far. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can tell. So I, I took my girls on a backpacking trip a couple of years ago, and I'm just so excited. Like, this is going to be great. I bought some new packs. And uh, so we all had our own packs. The dog had a pack, and we went out into the desolation wilderness out Lake Tahoe. And um, right away, right yeah, right away I was like, all right, you know, my younger one, I think she was probably eight at the time. I was like, all right, I'll carry, you know, some of the stuff out of your pack. I'll, I'll carry some more stuff because she was going a little slow. So I was like, all right, I'll take more of your stuff. Mm -hmm. So I ended up carrying, like, almost everything. <laughs> and then she gets <laughs> sick out there. Like, night one, she is sick, like, uh, not in a good way. And so we ended up, mm -hmm. instead of spending, like, three nights, and, and my sleeping pad got a hole in it, so I was sleeping on the rocks. It was just, like, this series of things. We wow. we left the next day, and I was like, I don't know if we're going to make it. You know, it was like a five-mile hike. <laughs> it was so intense. I was carrying, like, three packs. 
yeah, with, it's definitely like it's a different kind of adventure. You know, you just have to like turn, like get your mind wrapped around. Like we're not necessarily going really far, but shit is gonna go down. And you know, stressful moments as a parent or even as a um, race director and an ultra runner. Uh, what are your coping mechanisms for when things don't go to go as planned? Um, I would say, like, in general, I try to reframe what's going on in a way that rather than seeing it as a, a negative, which I think there's a point in our mind where we're like, oh, my God, this is horrible. And then you can recognize that you're um, you're looking at it in a certain light that's probably going to result in a negative outcome and when that happens when you can have that kind of awareness you can go okay rather than seeing this as a problem how can i get through this and just sort of move on because things always change both in life and in ultras um if you're racing ultra and your stomach goes bad that doesn't mean it's going to be bad for you know a mile 20 it doesn't mean it's going to be bad for 80 more miles but yeah you got to deal with this let's get through it um rather than you know having to quit or something like that, although I've certainly had to quit over issues that I wish, you know, I could have resolved. So it's definitely a work a work in progress, and I think that I've gotten better at it um, over the years. But in life, you can't really, I mean, you can't really quit it without, like, really negative consequences. So it is nice when you can use um, things like races and ultras to get through those negatives and then bring that to real life and improve um your life as well so yeah it's it's a process i'm definitely have some room for improvement <laughs> yeah, i think we all do and it's the fun part yeah yeah it, well it is i mean if it was all really easy then we'd probably do something different because we don't we don't want the easy we want to challenge ourselves and it's that like mm-hmm. uh, there's something about like if it's so hard that you almost quit or you want to quit, it's so much more rewarding than just sailing through everything, um, both in life and, you know, in, in in ultras, certainly, probably in jiu-jitsu as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And imagine trying to take on inordinate experiences outside of, you know, working, taking care of the family, but going out for more, um, it's much like sprinting, right, for your running efficiency doing these uh, extreme things in consideration of just, you know, the day-to-day grind, um, you get these adaptations, these psychological adaptations for your day-to-day life that just make it so much more easier. Um, And then instead of, you know, having, like, these stressful scenarios that, you know, parents, for example, are like my mom, um, I'm able to arguably handle similar things with a little more ease. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly, because you – um, it's like you're using it, using exercise and training your body as, you know, a template for um, for life in general. And I think it's – I love metaphors. Uh, I love being able to, like, transfer things over. But on, a like, a really physical, emotional level, I think it's nice to know that you can allow those sort of emotions that you're feeling that can be really intense, you know, during a 100-mile race. You can feel that, let it – sort of go through you and then move on and then life in general will get you know a lot of things can sort of tip us in in a negative 
or, or even two positives. Like, you could be running an ultra and get, like, oh, this is so great, and just get going and, like, just burn your legs out if you're not careful, you know, like running a downhill too fast. It's like, okay, you ha- learn how you can use endurance to make it further. And I feel like in life you can get too energized about some things too. And so it's sort of mm-hmm. like being able to control that flow, a little bit of energy in your life, um, it's a pretty important skill. It definitely, and especially consideration with that like goes into diet, that goes into, you know, the use of uh, recreational substances, right? Um, not eating the whole cake, just eating, like, a slice, for instance. Um, yeah. And it's very interesting because compulsive behaviors are some of the – they're not compulsive behaviors, but just being reactive as as opposed to um, having well-thought-out action is difficult. And it definitely especially, – especially doing, like, an ultra race, something where – you were committed to an activity for such a stretch of time. I imagine that's so difficult to, or at least in the beginning, difficult to continue and not just turn around and stop. Um, What was it like when you ran your first uh, ultra 50 miles? Um, Let's see. Well, my first ultra was a 50K, um, and I think because I was a little bit nervous about the mountains in the distance, I definitely held back a little, but I wasn't prepared for the intensity of, like, how sore I was afterward. And I think no matter what, I just would have been really sore, unless maybe I had trained more properly for it. I didn't really know what to do, you know. <laughs> it was like I had done a road marathon. I was like, oh, a 50K, that's, like, only five miles longer. So, <laughs> but it's like road marathon versus, you know, 50K that has 8,000 feet of climbing. So I was like, I could not walk. I could barely breathe the next day. I was like, this was great. <laughs> I crawled to like the kitchen. And I don't know what it was. I was like, okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> I'm going to get better at this. But, you know, like at that time, I never thought really about being competitive. I was just so stunned and impressed by the distance, you know, to being able to, like, conquer that distance that I wasn't even, like, um, I I was awestruck by the fact that people raced these things. Like, that wasn't at all something I ever thought I would do. And I did did a series, uh, the Washington Ultra Series that first year. I was like, oh, just do the whole thing. So I did a bunch of 50Ks and – and I did the Capitol Peak 50-miler. And, again, that was hard. But, like, in the last 10 miles, I was like, wow, 50 miles isn't that bad. And I just cruised the last 10. And I remember feeling great um, and not as sore. So it was like I started to see those improvements. And, um, you know, you think, like, you're never going to want to do a 100-miler. And then um, I volunteered for one and was, like, ready. You know, you, it, there's something about seeing other people doing it that's just – fascinating i guess it makes you sort of wonder about how you would do um under mm-hmm. the circumstances so yeah it was, i was hooked pretty quickly <laughs> and it's interesting your relationship with challenge and i'd agree challenge is really enticing in the sense that you know how yeah. far can you push yourself and like i've talked to you know zach bitter and he what broke the record for the 100-mile uh, time, for instance, and he does more, I mean, started with more flat um, endurance races. And in those scenarios, right, like it's, there's not there's not much of an appeal of adventure. I guess there is. I mean, um, 
however, you know, like times and, and just being on like flat tracks and stuff, like I couldn't run around a short flat track like that for a hundred miles. However, um, what I was able to relate to him with was that, that idea of challenge. Like the reason why I like doing these, you know, doing uh, trail runs or jujitsu is just, can I do it? Like that question. And, you know, even seeing it within you, it's, it's interesting where like, the question of challenge over time, anyways, gradually, where it can take you, because you know, someone who's doing their 5K would could look at you and say, um, you know, you you run these long races. That's that's incredible. That must be really difficult. But I mean, if you take baby steps, pursuing you know today's or this season's challenge, I mean, it's all within most people's reach. I would argue. I think that's a really great point, and it explains how people get from, you know, a 5K to a 200-miler, let's say, because it seems so crazy for people to hear about a 100-miler or 200, or even a lot of people, you know, like a 50K, 31 miles, that's, that's a long way to run, right? But I think when you when you are the kind of person like us who enjoys a challenge, and maybe has an addictive personality. It's like you, yeah. you, you get into something and you're like, okay, it's not doing it for me anymore. What next? And then you just continue yeah. to move along. And I think it is, it, it's usually a pretty healthy path to take because um, what keeps us fit. And I mean, as long as we're not um, doing it in a, in a really unhealthy way, there, I think you could do anything. Anything can be unhealthy, right? You can, do it mm-hmm. so much that you can injure yourself and then continue to do it. But there's, in general, I tend to think that what we do is pretty good for us mentally and physically. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. cool to see how people come from what seems sort of like a bite-sized piece to the general population all the way up to finishing, like, one of my 200-milers. It's a pretty mm-hmm. inspiring process. I completely agree, and, you know, it's just with regarding the addiction thing, I find that interesting because I've had moments where when I was younger I would struggle with uh, compulsive behaviors, whether it's like eating uh, almonds and I I would like literally a pound of almonds in a sitting um, (laughs) or using like excessive drugs to the point to where I would overdose uh, or just destructive to my life and category addiction in that sense and it's for me I've been fortunate enough though where it's like I can um, rationalize and understand the risks to those behaviors and then not do them Um, whereas opposed to some of my friends that I grew up with they were like and even my own family members um, are entrenched and it's like they you know they always chase uh, meth or heroin or drinking and over the course of like 20 years repeating the same things and at once, I would like, look down on people who, who were in those scenarios or think that I was better than them, and even people who would, like, recreate on the occasion. It was like, oh, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you spend your time doing new things? And then I realized how, like, hypocritical and, um, and horrible and misunderstood that that was because I realized that at that time, I was indulging in compulsive behaviors of food. And I was like, okay, since, since I got sober, right, it didn't mean I was – or better or anything like that. That's so silly um, because I was doing the same thing with food and work. I'd work all the time and, and I'd eat massive amounts of junk food and nobody would say anything because, I mean, that's not a, a shameful thing to have issues with, I suppose. 
Right, and it's um, interesting to me, too, that some, like, uh, I feel like a lot of creative people, like a lot, I would say in some cases the majority, creative or successful people have a background that's pretty interesting, either, you know, with, like, addiction, drugs, or, like, you know, a tough childhood, a combination of, of the two, some sort of story behind their success. Not all, but um, you, you definitely see a lot in ultra running, and it's like, how did they turn it into something positive, like that mindset? Because I don't think that I think our personalities, like, they don't necessarily change, but we're able to direct the kind of energy that we have. And I think that yeah. the same energy that gets us, like, you know, alcoholics also creates, can be, like, a really positive thing. It's the same with mental illness, right? It's like you can, some of these, what we call mental illnesses, it's like they can be used for great good. It's just, like, if you can learn how to harness them, and maybe that's what we're doing, we're harnessing our addictive personalities, you know, because I, I quit drinking um, fairly recently, and, um, you know, it was really hard to get to the point where I was like, or I could admit to myself that I had a weakness and that I had to deal with it, you know, I had to do something before my life, like, totally fell apart, you know, um, and in some ways, like, it had, but, um, yeah, being able to, I've certainly been able to, like, harness some of that energy you get so much energy right after you quit something like that it's like mm-hmm. you have all this energy all right what am i going to do with this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's like a powerful thing <laughs> but you just don't want to use it for bad <laughs> for bad for yeah. yourself like i think we we can turn it in on ourselves and like hurt ourselves with it or we can like let ourselves loose in the world <laughs> yeah but I get you on the whole, uh, the whole addiction thing. Been there as well myself. So that's interesting when you said that. You know, like I'd almost rephrase it with I just couldn't remember specifically what you said, but that like you change change the face or like the mask, but the underlying foundation of who you are is still there. And I found that out when I, you know did the same thing, right? Realized that what I was doing probably wasn't the best for me and it was hurting me in some areas. It was a weakness. And when I stopped it and just tried to resist, like, all things, right, and I didn't have anything else there, um, there was pressure, and there's, like, pressure building. Um, for, for me, like, just a little bit of a backstory, I suppose, is when I overdosed, um, a lot of that was, like, I can drink more than you guys and I can take more pills than you guys, Right. And I never had anything else, like, you know, any outlet to for that to manifest. And I even did that with kids. Like, I was a stepdad when I was 13. And that was the whole, like, I can take care of children thing. And it's like, and then I had one when I was, you know, 17 for the same reason. But now when I do these sports, like jujitsu, I'm a blue belt. So that would be two to three years of practice. And then um, I was at, I'd be asked to go into a tournament against people who have been doing it for, you know, five or six years. I'm like, yeah, that, that, like, gets me the most excited. Or if you'd asked me to do, like, a threshold run, like, one of my, you know, farthest distances or a distance that kind of makes me intimidated a little bit, like, that's when I, you know, start to liven up. And essentially I'm just reenacting those same, um, I wouldn't, like, desires or behaviors, um, but just in different ways, in ways that create hypertrophy, um, increase coping mechanisms and stuff like that. And that's why I look up to people like yourself because, 
you know, you guys set the bar higher for me because I realized, oh, she can run that far. I could run kind of far. I can do it farther maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, um, it's yeah, it's such an interesting thing to be able to use to hear about something that's different and be able to then reach your goal a little higher. We were joking about um, this, this joke online about how 200 milers are making hundreds not seem as impressive anymore. <laughs> it's like, well, hundreds are still pretty damn impressive in my mind, but it's it does reset your expectation of what's possible. And I love it when there's people, you know, I think it's important to have people like that in your life who um, can challenge you in that way, you know, keep resetting your idea of what normal is. And uh, so, yeah, so you can – and I think I'm I'm pretty good at challenging myself like that normally, but um, there's always stuff – I mean, I'm the type of person I like being physical. I do – I try just about any sport. So it's like I love hearing about new stuff. Um, always open to that. You mentioned earlier about um, the relationship with trying to uh, seek challenge, right, and – to get better at things. Um, regarding your kids, uh, have you tried to, or if you did, right, what mechanisms would you use to, or strategies to teach them how to how to value a challenge as opposed to um, valuing like the easiest way out, for instance. Like I think about it in school because you hear like the dread of going to school and having to do homework, but I mean looking at it in hindsight now. Like, well, the more math that I do, the, the more I can understand things and the more powerful I am in that scenario or reading, you know, et cetera. Um, have you made any attempts to reframe uh, education with them? Yeah, I do think that's it's something – it's easy to see in other people, like, them not realizing their potential or wanting to quit something. My kids will say, I can't do that, and I'll say, you can't do it yet. <laughs> just add yes <laughs> to it because uh, you're right you can't you can't do it right now but you will be able to do it you got to keep practicing and um i think it's hard there's like a balance point where you don't want to push too hard kids have to or anybody that you're teaching they, they have to figure out a certain amount on their own but if you can sort of put a carrot or, or help lead them there or at least encourage them that it's not impossible because I really I really don't think anything is impossible even though mm -hmm. it feels like it you know it's like depending on where you are in your life and where you want to be sometimes mm -hmm. it feels like a giant leap but you just have to keep taking those baby steps it's like you know it's seven miles to the next aid station rather than it's 80 miles to the finish you know <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah I think I think I've really do back to like the reframing thing it's like i really do think that it's important to try to frame things in a in a positive way it always comes back mm -hmm. to to being positive in general regarding like you know anything's possible have you seen videos on instagram or youtube of contortionists literally anything's oh. possible those people dislocate their shoulders like it's wild. Oh yeah, it's 
crazy. I have. I, I'm so impressed by that kind of stuff. It's like I wish my body would do. I mean, I'm pretty flexible, but it's like like anybody, you know, there's certain – I know how I'm inflexible. I mm-hmm. just, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I wish I had that mentality, though, because once I saw those videos – just like a couple, there's, there's probably like five or six things that are like that. But um, you mentioned trying like new things. And once I saw a contortionist video, like, wait, how do I do that? Where do, where do I sign up? What class do I join? I'm going to be consistent every other day. Like I've done that with rock climbing and ultra run and not stop the things either. I just figured like if I throw everything up on the wall and I'll see what sticks, but everything keeps sticking. It's like, whoops. Um, yeah. One of my favorite things to do is that that helps me with um, all of the things that, that, I'm, that are really important to me. Mainly that's jujitsu and running in terms of athletics and everything else is kind of accessories to that. Um, and yoga. I've read that you've had like a pretty extensive yoga practice. Um, how has that helped your running? Oh man, it helps in a lot of different ways. I feel like it's um, important to have a certain amount of strength versus flexibility so like there's that but um when i practice it in in like a a hot yoga setting um where it's like a lot of strength kind of poses i feel like that mentality of being able to get through that um intensity it brings you to back into running you know it just it teaches you another way of like just breathing through the challenge and yoga being so breath oriented um that certainly helps being able to breathe when when you're freaking out in an ultra thinking you know i have so much farther to go and (laughs) taking it back to the moment of like okay but i can keep holding this pose so to speak with running and and yoga i can't tell you how many times i've been in a pose just thinking like i am so done and then you breathe and you're like okay everything's okay again so it's like just keeping from jumping too far ahead of ourselves, maybe that's that's just one of the things that we humans um, have a problem with, <laughs> you know, like trying to do too much. Um, so, yeah, it strengthened, it strengthened me, um, kept me flexible, strengthened my core a lot. I tend to go for more like the physical kind of yoga practices, but I also find that I do well doing the more um, like patient kind of, spiritual type too i just gravitate toward like okay i want it i want to sweat and i want it to be hard <laughs> so yeah it's it's interesting i once went to uh a yoga class that, that was like not what i thought it was going to be it was it was a lot of like more like om and sitting around and just like stretching and in the moment i was like ah oh, this wasn't the right class like i'm wasting my time and i remember being like just go with it, you know, like, just get some relaxation, you know, this is your challenge, like, your challenge today is harder than you expected, because it's easier, (laughs) so I I like to, sometimes challenges, they come in different ways, it doesn't necessarily have to be physically hard, but, like, mentally, it was just difficult for me to, like, accept that I wasn't going to get, like, this killer workout, (laughs) you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's... And I imagine it helps too on those days if if you run uh, where you try to have easy days on running. I imagine it helps those easy days stay easy. 
Yeah, yeah. Like by doing yoga instead of too much running. Or, well, um, uh, by when you go into that class and you get that sensation where it's like I'm not sweating and you're not oh, you know, yeah. you're not doing strength based things and like because I get that way where some of my easy runs right. I try to go by, uh, I think it's the Science of Ultra by Sean Bearden. I listen to his podcast uh, pretty frequently, and he talks about, like, doing 20% um, of your runs at, like, a 9 or a 10 effort level, and then uh, 80% of your runs at, like, a 5 or a 6, and just going with, like, that principle, um, or even just starting out on a race, right? I want to, I'm excited. I'm having fun. I want to just run in I want to turn the switch all the way to 10, but doing that is not really to my best advantage in the long run. But I think that's like that. I feel that way with yoga though. It was like, when I go in there, I have to, I got to get my legs, all my legs behind my head. I got to do like full twist binds, full strength. Um, however, having those, you know, relaxed kind of classes that goes against that, you know, your grain, so to speak. I think it's almost like an exercise of that is just allowing yourself to, to move without it being connected to, like, work hard or be intense. Yeah, teaching you some patience and um, the skill of relaxation, which is definitely something I could probably learn more about. <laughs> What's that really? I could, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet, yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's like um, some of us are doers and some of us are better at relaxing than others. But I definitely find that the busier, the busier I get, the more I appreciate those sort of relaxing moments and times, mm-hmm. or just sitting down and stretching instead of, you know, doing a hundred push-ups or something. <laughs> Needed. Um, the, the fun experiences that, in when I was younger, um, probably even within like three years, I would say, I was the opposite, where all I'd want to do is, like, the least amount of effort, but as I was, like, I'd look at uh, David Goggins, Cameron Haynes, you, uh, Candice, um, Maria Dalzell up in Bellingham, right, and oh, yeah. watch these people pursuing their potential, and just greasing that groove of every day, I'd start off really small, afraid to burn out, listening to Tim Ferriss, you know, I'd do like 10 push-ups and 20 push-ups and start doing kettlebells. And the way that I looked at things changed because, I, like I said, I used to use, um, even when I didn't have, like, issues with food, I've never been fat, but, like, I would use, if I got off of work and came home, what I'd be excited about is hanging out with my son, uh, eating something really good, and watching something really good. And that was about it. Anything else kind of, like, would get in the way, right? Um but that changed over time now to the point to where relaxing after work to me is, um, you know, writing, right, like doing these things. And so much so that if I have, like, an appointment or if I have a, a busy day and I don't get to write, I have, like, not a sense of anxiety, but I really wish I could have written or, you know, wrote that day. Or I really wish I could have went on that run, um, almost as if it was, like, a compulsive, but it's a positive compulsion in some sense. Yeah, I do think so. It's a drive. It's a and and I I think it's really cool. Some of those people you mentioned, it's like they they do have amazing drives that set them apart from other people. And you you have to have that kind of and maybe too like you know 
some of us can just access some of the, the energy um, that we have mm -hmm. for ourselves better than others. But, man, yeah, some of these people, it's like the amount of energy that they have is pretty incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just like you're like, you're making me tired just looking at they're working out at 10 p.m. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I do it too, but it's like it, it, it's impressive. I love seeing that, and the, they're just so motivating. Incredible. Cool to see you be able to relate to that, though, and it makes you tired because there's probably someone who looks at your workouts like your, um, <laughs> what was that, 300 push-ups in three days? 300 pull-ups. Or 300 pull-ups pull yeah. in three days. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's true. I, I think I think I do a lot. Um, I, I guess I probably do more than most people, but um, – for me, it's been – it's that thing we talked about, like, there's sort of a buildup. Um, but I just love – I love, like, body weight kind of exercises, and I think pull-ups are really underrated because everybody says, you know, they're like, oh, I can't do any of those. Like, they're so hard. It's, it's like, well, they're not really that hard. You just have to do that. You have to practice because mm -hmm. uh, if you don't practice, one pull-up is going to be hard for pretty much anybody out there, you know. Until you start to build it, build it up a little bit, and then um, then you get better and better at that mm -hmm. distance. But lately, so I had I sort of injured my leg um, doing a little too much. Long story, but that's why I thought it'd be fun to start posting some other kinds of challenges. Until it's like way better already, but it's been nine days. I'm going crazy. <laughs> I can't <laughs> run. <laughs> like if you if you get back into it too quick though with an injury, it's like I could be I could be not running for another month. So I'm like, okay, just relax mm -hmm. for another week. Well, my idea of relaxing is, you know, 100 pull-ups a day. <laughs> Which, you know, I have to be honest with you. Like, 100 pull-ups in a day just doesn't seem like that much right now. But mm -hmm. um, before the challenge, I was like, okay, I'm going to feel awful on day three. But I'm going to do it anyway. And then I was surprised. Like, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I wasn't even really that far. Kind of far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's, those things are fun, too, because you realize, like, the uh, the accessory uh, progress that you've made. Cause I mean, I imagine, like you said before, before, before this injury, you weren't really working on uh, doing those, those kinds of body weight exercises. And, I mean, just from there, yeah. it's, it's exciting yeah. to be able to accomplish that, you know. And you know, what's – your favorite um, exercises outside of running? Um, like uh, like strength kind of exercises. Um, or? yeah, strength exercises. I I my go to um basically three things I like to do um every day. I like to do push ups. I probably do at least. 100 maybe a couple hundred a day i try to set like my what i what i require myself to do every day i keep that bar somewhat low and then um if i feel like doing more i'll do more so i might say well 100 is a minimum a day that i do but then um you know if i'm feeling good i can do 300 or something or if i have the time why so, do you um, um why do you go about it like that well i've learned that um when i if I want to have a daily practice that needs to be like a something that I can do every day no matter what's going on in my life, no matter how crazy it is. <clears throat> Sorry, my dog is running around like 
I, I don't know. You can probably hear her huffing and puffing. She, it's okay. No, I have my have son. He's sometimes. Okay. <laughs> I feel like yeah, he's, sometimes he's like the the 15-second commercial on my episodes. <laughs> okay, okay. I was like, gosh, Beatrice, can you just settle down? She's like grabbing everything, running around the room. I tried to kick her out, but then she was scratching on the door, so. If she if it's too loud, just let me know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I don't want to be too distracting, but um, yeah, she she got left in a little too long today. But uh, where were we at? Oh. We were talking about um, push-ups, right? Uh, yes, yes, push-ups and um, why you try to set the bar low um, so it can be consistent. Oh, right, exactly, yeah. So it's really for consistency because you can always do more. But if you have a minimum that's doable for you every single day, you're going to probably be more consistent than if you set something a little too high thinking like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to challenge myself a lot all the time. Because, you you know, you're going to go through periods of time in your life where when the stress level um, in your life is too high, you're going to um, have to cut back on something, and so those extra, like, the daily exercises will will be a big issue at that point. And I think it's important for those of us who are really physical and doing a lot of um, workouts and racing and that kind of thing to recognize that emotional stress has the same effect in our bodies, it makes us tired, it takes away our energy, um, all those kind of things as the physical. So if we have a lot going on in our life, if we go through a breakup, um, these kind of things can mean we're not going to have as much energy for the other stuff. So I've, for years now, I've just been practicing, I call it the 200-100 workout, and it's really simple. It's just push-ups and these yoga bicycle sit-ups. And I would do, I would tell myself 100 push-ups and 200 of the yoga bicycle sit-ups. And that's it. That's all I have to do. But then I would add in squats or pull-ups or all these other kind of things um, if I have the time. But the other things I could do anywhere. You know, even if I'm, like, camping out somewhere, I can still do push-ups and some sit-ups. So, yeah, it's it's about consistency. At, at its bare essentials, it's all about consistency. Yeah. It's been helpful for me in uh, trying to make those changes because that's what – I was told was the most important thing isn't necessarily like, you know, how many um, sets you do or exactly what kind of exercises you do, but more important is whether or not you'll show up every time. And the best way to do that is set your goals really low and gradually increase them as needed. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's like set your daily goal low enough that it's doable but allow, like, that room to put in more effort. Um, but then your long-term goals, I think, can be – your long-term goals and dreams can definitely be a lot bigger. So it's like you, you got to have that space to be able to turn something that feels like a dream, like unachievable, into reality and have that out there but not have it so insane. Like, you know, maybe my – goal race is a 200 miler but along the way I'm going to make these bite-sized pieces I'm going to do a marathon I'm going to do a 50k I'm going to you know so it's like by the time you get to that 200 miler it's like all of a sudden it's like you've pretty much done it already because you've you've trained properly mm-hmm. and you've created the right bite-sized baby steps um all the way to that goal um yeah so I think 
it's interesting because I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I understood that kind of stuff in my twenties, and now it's like, oh, it's so clear. If I could only go back and tell her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and if if you could go back to your twenty year old self, what would what kind of advice would you give? I would. I would tell. I would try to get myself to stop drinking. <laughs> like, can you just stop now so we don't have to deal with this later? Like, it's not going to bring anything good into your life. Forget it. Just let it go. Um, yeah, I think stuff around addiction. Um, I definitely was doing a lot of drinking and, and drugs. Not well. I, I had my kids in my 20s, so I didn't um, do any of that kind of stuff when I was pregnant um, or when they were little. But I still feel like, I mean, I have high expectations of myself and you know looking back at just yeah some of that kind of stuff it's like I just feel like it uses so much energy up and there's regrets around a lot of stuff um, that I on the other hand it's like could I be where I am now so I, I think it's hard it's hard to say I think I would try to get myself to do that but maybe I needed it to be where I'm at <laughs> So I've come to yeah. well, I can't really give myself advice. I I dropped out of um I dropped out of college um as well, and actually that's something that I'm pretty glad I did. It ended up working out pretty well. Why are you glad you did it? Why Why did I drop out? Yeah. Um, I was. I was like a straight A student in high school, and um, when I got to college, I was like, "All right, let's party." I was like, "I'm gonna have fun now," <laughs> which is like exact opposite time when you should, you know, you should be like sitting down and studying. Um, I think for me, I just was not. I had no idea what I really wanted to do, and I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And then I started to realize that being a doctor, you know, the actual work that they had to do um, in terms of, like, being in a hospital or a clinic, I was like, I don't know if that's really what I want to do every day. So I was pretty confused. Mm -hmm. And um, so I dropped out and I went to massage school, and I just sort of got, like, more hands-on physical kind of work, and I did that for, like, most of my 20s before I became a race director. But... Um, yeah, I think for me it just didn't feel like I was learning the life skills I needed to know to be where I wanted to be, so I, I dropped out. I couldn't see it. It couldn't see it reaching the goal that, you know, I think there is a little bit of a myth out there about college. Like, oh, if you go to college, you'll get a great job and you'll be able to make enough money. Um, <laughs> but it's not really that simple, right? It's like, yeah, you can have a degree and still work at a grocery store or, you know, and mm -hmm. not that there's, like, anything wrong with it, but it's like, you, at some point, you gotta like figure out what you want to do with your life and how you want to spend it. Um, it feels like really valuable to me, so I just decided to not waste my time in college anymore, and which, which felt like was what I was doing, um, and to just sort of get out in the world and figure some stuff out. <laughs> so I lived, you know, I think I did in my twenties what a lot of people do in their thirties. Like I had two kids, I worked um full time i was trying to build like my massage business but i knew that that kind of work was just it was really difficult and um i knew at some point i wanted to do something different creative in a different way and uh definitely found that with with race directing i just i love my work i mean i hate it sometimes but i love, <laughs> I 
I think everybody hates their job sometimes, but I, yeah. I generally love it. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Mostly good. So, then that's that, that thing, right, where the reward is worth the sacrifices, um, even yeah. if there's, you know, monotony, for instance. But that's that whole thing with uh, when you get into, like, an addiction thing, right? It's like the reward is worth the sacrifices. And in that way, it's like in a destruction of self. But then if you go to, like, school, right, I dropped out last fall, and I had a lot of um, mixed feelings about it. I was basically just doing a podcast and um, trying to uh, do jiu-jitsu, just all these things, and I'd either have to choose that or school. I'm like, well, I was doing these things, and no one was paying me to do it. No one was telling me to. These are what I love. So it's like, why would I go and do that, right? And from that perspective of just like what you were mentioning um, is trying to find you know, something like a meaning in some fashion um, or something interesting to spend your time doing. Like school is a tool. Like, that's a possibility. That's a possibility, right? If if it's necessary or if it's of interest to you. But if you, you know you go out and like I want to go and run or I want to learn how to be a guide, like whatever fits that um, that that pursuit of of self, of excitement and thrill. Um, did you have um, – so when you dropped out, it was basically because life demanded it in some fashion and you're just not interested. Um, what made you get into race directing? How was that transition from massage therapist to race directing? Well, I was um, – I'd been volunteering at some events and um, – I had, that was my first, basically my first year of um, running ultras, like volunteering and stuff, and loving, just loving the community um, and wanting to immerse myself a little bit more in it. Um, I started working for Rain Shadow Running. You're probably familiar with them being in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I did for like, gosh, I'm trying to think, was it three or four years? I think it was three years. So I was still practicing massage early on because it was like, you know, I was making pretty part-time work. Um, it doesn't pay a lot. <laughs> and so uh, partway through that, I was like, you know, moving to Bellingham <clears throat> at the time, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll create like a little series here. Because um, it was either that, I was trying to make the decision, would I put on some races or would I lead some running tours? And um, mm-hmm. at the time, I was working for a company, a venture running company, occasionally doing running tours in the Tahoe area. Um, and so I thought, like, that would be interesting, but it seemed like a little bit of a conflict of interest. So I went the raceway, and I created a bunch of shorter-distance races. And I think it was sort of at that point I was like, you know, I, I really like this. It's a fun way to work, um, and it's challenging. It was really stressful um, just having all these people depend on you in that way and then also having you deal with a lot of different personalities and um, there were a lot of things that I had to learn to get better at, but I just, yeah, I just sort of felt like I st- sort of fell into it, but I did, I went up to Bellingham, I didn't know any of the trails, I was like, I'm going to create a series, so to run all the trails, it was a really good way of exploring, and I think I've used race directing to explore my environment quite a bit, give me excuses to go out and create some new routes, um, and get paid for it, but at the same time, it always becomes more complicated than that once you make it into a race mm-hmm. and you have to deal with bureaucracy and permitting it's like it's never easy there's always you know a race you think i've gotten a permit one year 
but then you have, you know, you, you're always having to deal with new people and issues with the permits. And so it's, it's definitely a challenging type of work. But, um, yeah, I guess I just sort of went from running, volunteering to directing. <laughs> baby steps. <laughs> yes, baby steps. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you describe it that way with the bureaucracy, right? Um, something that you're willing willing to do. Um, for the experience of being a race director and putting on these cool races. And then you think of, like, going to medical school. And to some, you know, bureaucracy would be worse and medical school would be more favorable. And, like, there's something to be said there for um, trying to experience a buffet of things until you can actually put a finger on what really excites you. Because it sounds like you've made some substantial sacrifices um, on a day-to-day -day basis as a race director for for this level of challenge that suits you, um, specifically you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny, too, because I sometimes wonder if, if we can find our passion or if our passion finds us or how how does that work? Because it's like I, I just don't know how. It's like I feel like in some ways I stumbled upon it, but I just started doing what I enjoyed, which was, um, running and I started doing it a lot and racing and then it was like and that's when I fell into um, you know my perfect work which is creating events and um, mm. what, back when I was in high school I was pretty obsessed about running back then and they have you do this like it's like this computer test what what would you be good at as a job when you leave school and for me it was like it was so funny because it was a running coach or something, and it had to do with running. I remember thinking, oh, you'd never make any money as a running thing. Like, only certain people can do, you know, make money on running. Like, that's crazy. And then, lo and behold, you know, it's like, oh, I am doing something. I'd love to know what test that was. <laughs> like, go back. It's just, I, I never forget that moment. Like, I always think back to it. I'm like, you know, that was a sign, <laughs> or maybe I just think it was, but man, I remember that test. <laughs> um, for the listeners out there who have an interest and that thought crosses their mind, right? If they were to be a uh, author, an illustrator, professional athlete, that's a common thought, like, you ain't ever going to make any money. You're not going to be able to make a living off of that. That person's, you know, in a in a lucky uh, group, right? Uh, what would you say to that person? I would say they're limiting themselves um, from based on my experience, and maybe maybe a lot of people don't reach that place because of exactly that thought process. Um, you really, yeah. At some point, you have, you just have to believe in yourself, and you have to make a leap. And I don't think it matters what we're talking at what job we're talking about. There's this point where you're like, man, I would love to do that full time. And you think, I think I might be able to. Well, just do it, you know. Like, once you make that leap, things will align. And, of course, there's a possibility of failure. But I think that's the point where we do have to face the fact that we might fail but we have this ability to, like, leap into our future, that's that's where the reward comes. And so, you know, regardless of what kind of work you might be looking at, 
being aware of the timing of it and knowing, and I remember thinking when I was still doing massage and I was also race directing, and just being like, oh, man, I wish I could just stop doing massage. And I was so, I felt like I had, well, you need the money. You know, you're tied into, you, you have to do it for the money or these people are relying on you. And then just being like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to let it go and I'm going to open myself up to making more money as a thing that I actually want to do. But there's no, and that's faith, right? It's like, where do you find <laughs> your, it's faith in yourself and, and that good things can happen to you? Um, in the world, because I do, I do think there's sort of a place for all of us, you know, to potentially do what we love doing if we get out of our own way, you know, or and then make these leaps when we need to. And even me going into massage school, quitting college and going into massage school, you know, I remember being when I finally was like, I'm quitting college. I was so excited. I knew it was the right path. Like I remember being like, Yes, this is what I need to do, and. It, you know, all of society tells you, like, get your college degree, and I've worked toward it my whole, you know, school career. It seemed like, you know, my parents were college graduates and all this kind of – so I had, like, I should have, you know, everything I need. I had, like, a full ride. I had no reason to quit, mm -hmm. but it was the right thing for me to do, and I knew it. Mm -hmm. So I just – trusting your instincts, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So you did the fastest known temps um, around the Wonderland Trail here in Washington uh, this summer. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Uh, the end of August. That is so cool. Um, what does the preparation for um, something like that look like? Uh, that whole thing was unsupported, right? Yes, yes. So uh, it means carrying as much as you need for 100 miles plus, because you never know. You know, you could get injured and be out there an extra night or two. <laughs> Anything can happen. <laughs> so, yeah, for me it's like um, making sure that you're prepared to carry a heavy pack and run um, and then also be prepared mentally for the challenges uh, and the fear that come, like running something like that alone, being alone all night long and moving through the mountains by yourself. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like sort of mental, it's not just about taking a step forward and keep moving forward, but you know, you're looking around you and it's dark out and there's noises in that forest, you know, you can't just go hide. <laughs> you got to move forward. Yeah. So I prepared myself. I, I knew I I knew that would be a big the big challenge for me would be the nighttime but I've been training for really consistently for a year and last um, summer two women ran the route and beat I set the record in 2012 and they came out um, and they ran ran the route and beat my record and I remember seeing it and thinking ah oh, I really want to have another go at it because I didn't feel like I had reached my potential the first time so many years ago. I mean, I was still pretty new to ultra running when I went out there. So um, I wanted to do it last fall. I wasn't prepared. And then this summer, I was feeling really strong. I DNF'd at the Tahoe Rim Trail 100 in July. And then I went out and I course marked that whole Bigfoot 200 course that I have. Um, so I think I did about mm -hmm. 120 miles or something. And then I was running okay. on top of that. I was feeling good. So I knew. I was like, you know, mm -hmm. that Wonderland Trail. <laughs> so 
So I didn't actually train <laughs> specifically for it, but I had done a bunch of 50Ks and 50-mile races, and I just knew I've been in the sport now, in ultra running now for um, eight years. So I, I sort of knew, like, I was ready. And, um, yeah, I just, I just went out, and um, I probably carried too much stuff, but um, it, it went really well. And, um, of course, I'm thinking – you know, after it was over, I was like, oh, you could have gone faster. <laughs> that's how, that's Round how three. people like us think. Yeah, yeah. They're, it's like, ah, oh, man, you know, it's hard with a route that long. You want to – you can't leave everything out on the trail without taking enormous risk, especially when you're alone and you're doing it solo and nobody's there. Like, nobody was meeting me at the finish. Um, there was like, there was nothing. So it was like, if I left everything out on the course and really pushed super hard, I could get myself into a serious emergency. So I feel like I have the potential to go a few hours faster, um, even unsupported, but we'll see. You know, it's like, you only have time for so so many things. Maybe next summer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You gotta prioritize. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm getting ready tomorrow. I have a, a run up Luna Peak over in the Pickett's Mountain Range off of Highway 20, and that one will be fun. But that one's it's an out and back, and, and yeah, it's pretty out there. So that's, I'm kind of in that same spot where like, you know, just a lot of preparation goes into those because there really isn't anyone there to, um, to save your ass if you make a, a poor choice and you know bonk, let's say, all the way out there. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> having that level of preparation a lot of fun. I'm excited to get out there. When you were um, having those scary moments at night, uh, did you ever want to quit? Quitting wasn't an option. Um, You know, sometimes in races it is because you come into an aid station and it's like, all right, I'm done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But out there, there's (laughs) nowhere to quit unless, I mean, during the day I might be able to go through a parking lot and get a ride out but not at night. Like, there wasn't any – and that's what I loved about it and sort of why I chose that challenge because I just DNF'd, and I thought, like, all right, I'm going to make you do something. You know, I'm talking to myself here. (laughs) You do something, you can't quit. (laughs) So once you start and you get a certain way into it, like, you're – you know, and I knew I could force myself sort of into it. Like, I was – I agreed to allow myself to do that. So, you know, at at night, it was something that I knew that I just had to keep going, and um, I coped with it with sort of that fear, like being alone at night, noises in the forest, animals that can eat you, um, by um, having multiple good headlamps. So I just had a lot of light, and I had one around my waist and one on my head and then an extra in my pack. Um, you really can't have too many extra headlamps in a place like that in the middle of the night. <laughs> it feels oh, no. really good. When, when one stops working, you're like, whew, I'm glad I have extra. <laughs> and then I played, I, play, I played Radio Lab. I had all these podcasts on my phone. I have a ton of podcasts. I love podcasts. Um, but I bad. had like... I, apparently, I had, like, over 10 hours saved on my phone, and I just listened to that, like, the whole night, the whole, because it was, like, <laughs> the, the, their voices were soothing, and it was, like, this intellectual, like, I just could get out of my fear a little bit and just listen to, like, Jad and Rob was, like, you know, just talking. It was great. <laughs> so soothing. <laughs> so I have a special place in my heart for that, for that, for 
Jad. <laughs> yeah, Jad is my favorite. I know, right? Um, I'm like, I wonder if he'll ever hear that story. Like, if somebody listened to his podcast for like 10 hours straight, running a, a record on, on the Wonderland, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> And what's it like to run um, late into the evening when you're uh, tired and bleary-eyed? Oh, um, you know, on a, on a route like the Wonderland, it's there. there's a certain amount of apprehension, but then it's like you're also finally tackling the thing that you thought was going to be the hardest. So it's like I always like that. It's like when you start a climb, you're like, okay, let's get this done. Like, let's do it. Let's get into it so that we can start counting off the hours. Um, and I think there's sort of a cool, like, going into the night, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a just an overnight run I'm doing that's low expectation, like not going for any record. Maybe I'm just running for 24 hours. Um, I think there's always an apprehension just going into into a night like that because you do you feel like you're in a tunnel, you know that all that darkness. Mm -hmm. That's that's a unique challenge. But the sunset, or excuse me, the sunrise um, is so much more rewarding in the morning. Like you'll never see you'll never see a sunrise so wonderful as the one where, you know, you've been running all night and you, like, earn that sunrise. Um, so it does give you an extra appreciation for the daylight. So much easier to run in the light. Oh, so much. <laughs> yes. yes, it is, especially when you're bombing down, like, single track and oh, there's a lot of roots. Yeah. No bombing at <laughs> night. <laughs> no bombing. <laughs> I can't help myself. Um. <laughs> yeah, it is. Part of the night, maybe, but I have that same um, that same issue. Like with my kids are a little bit older, um, so I'm maybe a little closer. But Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, you can check out Candace at wilddefined.com and her events, destinationtrails.com. She puts on some pretty impressive um, running adventures from 10Ks to 200 milers. And you can also find her on Instagram at runcandicerun. <laughs> I love talking to people who get after it and who have something that excites them. So much that they sacrifice a lot of things, an impressive deal, to be able to pursue them. And it pushes me further, and I hope this pushes you guys further as well. If you guys like the show, please rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you happen to find it. And you can also support us by picking up a hat on the website. 
Uh, we got flat bills. Soon we'll get curved bills in, and uh, we'll be putting some more merch up there as well. Well, till next time, y'all. Thanks for listening.